1: with Alex and Foxy, Alex and Foxy, Alex and Alex, if I put our jacks in the paint, how you gonna stop me, how you gonna stop me, we can go head to head, call out your top three, call out your top three, look at the switch from Buddy Hill. now that boy got three. We got Holly Burton running point, this is a Benedict for the shot, if anybody gon' come in the post, then we got Miles Turner for the block, setting the pace, going to the top, setting the pace, going to the top, this is your number one podcast, sweeping every team, we gon' need a mop, Smooth. Pacer Nation, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode here of Setting the Pace. I'm your host, Alex Goldman. I'm joined by my lovely co-host, Mustache Mike. What's going on, brother?
2: I told Alex, I had to give a fair warning. I do have a mustache right now for about the first time in my life. I was in Mexico over the weekend for a bachelor party. (laughs) I lost a bet in the past. I had the Fu Manchu going, like a little Hulk Hogan action, but I was not going to return to the, the States With that look, so mustache, Mike, I guess it is.
1: And unfortunately, we did not get the bleach blonde Fu Manchu (laughs) mustache from Fachi. We got the redded, brownish beard look. Is it red or brown? It's kind of hard to tell on camera.
2: Uh, Strawberry blonde, I guess, would be the correct term, as they say. But, you know, I'll leave that up to the
1: listeners. All right. The lighting in there is not great in Fachi's little closet office. So (laughs) I have a hard time telling what color the beard is but I do know it's not bright bleach blonde but we are here for a mailbag and we had 18 questions come in so we're going to break this down into three episodes for you guys we're going to answer six questions per episode and that's going to last for the next three days on the show so if your question did not get answered on today's it will be coming up on one of the next episodes but we're going to start things off here with a good friend of ours NBA Woody he said are there any concerns that the Obi Toppin and Jairus Walker pairing will end up being a similar situation to the New York Knicks, where Julius Randle was really good and it killed Obi's development. Or is there a world where the two of them are effective on the court together in big minutes?
2: I don't think it's going to be like what the Knicks situation was. Look, I love me some Obi, But here's the thing. Randle was an all-NBA, all-star type player. Mm-hmm. And Tibbs runs his starters into the ground. I mean, 35 plus minutes for each starter. As good as I think Obi can be. I think it'll be more on the offensive side of things while Jarris brings something completely different, a different skill set, high defensive IQ, uh, and ability. So I just think that they can be each other's, you know, the yin to the yang. And plus, Jarris, gifted passer. I liked what I saw in Summer League. Yeah. There's a lot more to come. But I think they're going to complement each other well because Walker at times look, looks or will look very much like a rookie while Obi more seasoned going in to year four. Look, defense is what we need to improve upon, so Jarris should have plenty of minutes coming his way, even if Obi Toppin ends up developing well. I still feel that Jarris Walker is going to get a fair shot at his minutes.
1: Yeah, I totally agree with you, Fauci. I think Carlisle is more cognizant of the situation at hand. You know, to me, it feels like Rick will play the guy who's playing the best and not just ride out the starter for 35 minutes every night. So, you know... Like you said, we have to remember that Randall was voted an all-star and considered by some of the best player on the Knicks last year. So I don't envision Obi having that type of impact on the Pacer squad. So I think it's going to make it easier to div- divvy up those minutes between the two. And, you know, I, I can see them playing together at times, Fachi, where maybe Jairus plays a small ball five because of his defensive ability. I don't think it's going to happen a ton. But I think there could be times based on the matchup at hand that they maybe go that way, especially if they're both having really good games all right, maybe Miles doesn't have a great game that night for whatever reason, or Miles has an injury or sick or whatever, and they're like playing the big rotation with Tice and, and Jalen Smith and Isaiah Jackson, but they feel like maybe Jairus Walker and Obi together could get the job done. So I think there could be some times where they play together, but I don't see a similar situation where either Obi's going to be on the outside looking in or or Jairus is on the outside looking in, and I think you probably see them play very similar minutes this season probably around the 20 to 22 minutes for one of them, the bench guy, and then the other one probably gets the rest of those 48 minutes for the starter.
2: You know, if Obi Toppin was to play out of his mind and so good to the point where Jarris is his development stunted, that would have to mean that Obi Toppin is an all-star caliber player. And you don't want it to have to come at the expense of Jarris Walker, who you're really excited about, but it just feels like Obi's going to take a big step forward with there still being plenty of room for Jarris Walker to develop in year one.
1: No, and I think that's a great point because at the end of the day, if Obi Toppin makes that leap, then nobody's going to be mad about it. So I don't think so. To me, it's something that we really have to consider here. But Vachi, you ready to move on?
2: I am. So next question is from dear friend of the show. It is none other than Rooster. The Wizards fan, right? The Washington Wizards fan. Rooster, I know you're listening right now. You are a Wizards fan. little anyway. dude, baby. <laughs> yep, yep, yep. So he said, if you could add, oh, we got a three parter here for yeah. Rooster. All we'll, right. We'll break one. them
1: down question by one yes. or one, question by question.
2: Part one if you could add one restaurant or food option to Gamebridge, what would it be?
1: Okay. So Nerd Me actually looked up every single Rest restaurant in Gamebridge Fieldhouse. And I thought to myself, they really don't have a great sub place. That was my first thought. I was going to think, well, they probably could like do a better burger spot, but there is a five guys like right down the street on Pennsylvania street, as well as Wingstop. And we had wings there too. We've already got Chick-fil-A in there. So it's like, what else could they really add? I don't feel like a Qdoba or Chipotle really does a lot for me since they did have a couple different uh, Mexican uh, stands there. But I went ahead and said, let's find a sub sandwich place. And I said, either Penn station or Jersey Mike's.
2: Okay. I'm right in that same category. Love me a good sandwich. I looked around. Alex, I didn't see, and I could be wrong, but I didn't see any steak sandwiches. No. So I didn't see steak sandwiches. And just in case I had overlooked that, I thought, what about like a good buffalo chicken, buffalo chicken type, you know, sandwich, whatever you want to call it. So I'm with you on the sandwiches, steak sandwiches, buffalo chicken sandwiches. I think that'd be awesome.
1: Mm -hmm. And maybe they could do like a, Harry and Izzy's pop-up restaurant because, you know, St. Elmo's is like the big thing everyone's known for in Indianapolis, right? And, you know, Harry and Izzy's is a part of that. So maybe Harry and Izzy's could have like their own little stand in there where they make just a few sandwiches and their fries. Could be something like that.
2: Yeah, so I think we're on the same same vibe right over there. same umbrella, sandwiches. Better sandwiches. Next question for Rooster. If you could add one non-All-Star player to this year's roster, who would it be?
1: Yeah, this is kind of a broad question here, Rooster. So my first thought was, I'm going to be really unrealistic and give you a name that I think every Pacer fan would be excited about, and that's Victor Wimbenyama. This guy is a rookie, so he's oh, not yet yeah. to be an all-star. So let's go ahead and just throw in the talent. and say, we want Victor Wimbenyama on this team. But if I'm going to be honest, like obviously, I think people are going to expect a certain answer from a guy from Toronto. But I went with your guy, Flachi, Jaden McDaniels out of Minnesota. That's the non-all-star that I think would be the perfect fit just for defensive upside and I think offensively there's still some untapped potential there too
2: i do think that uh he's gonna take a leap forward this year on the offensive side of things i i really do the guy that i went with mikhail bridges look no yeah. doubt about it maybe kind of a cheat code because i do think he's going to be an all-star this year Ooh, but i think take. that he uh, yeah yeah but I, I really do the way he finished the year it's just it's got me really bought in but i think that he fits this team he fits the timeline perfectly. A two-way, I mean, play both ways. I think he's going to blossom into an all-star. And, uh, you know, while I think that's more of like a, hey, he's probably going to make an all-star this year, your Victor Wembanyama pick, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's going to be a definite all-star. This might be the only year that he could be considered a non-all-star.
1: He might you know, be an all-star based on fan vote alone, but I will ask you that's this. That's true. Fan vote, saw yeah. this on Twitter. I was kind of curious your thoughts. Mikkel Bridges, Brandon Ingram. Right now, who do you think the better player is? And then moving forward, who do you think the better player is?
2: Mikkel Bridges. Uh, I think that Brandon Ingram is a good scorer, but I think that what Mikkel Bridges is bringing on the defensive end, I think is is extremely valuable. I think yeah. it was two two three years ago he was a like runner up for defensive player of the year. Mm. I mean, and this guy, I just think that now that his role has expanded, you know, we're going to see him do a lot more. Where Brandon Ingram has been kind of a go to scorer for the last few years, so. I think a lot of people are going to be extremely impressed by Bridges this year as the guy on the Nets.
1: But- yeah, I will say oh. that Brandon Ingram on Team USA has been a bit of a roller coaster ride. Yeah. So I can see why people are down on him, and I didn't want to catch myself being like too pessimistic about him as a player because I felt like this was kind of an easy answer by saying Mikael Bridges. But at the same was- time, I don't think that it's as easy as maybe we both feel because I still think Brandon Ingram is really good, but oh, at is. the same time <laughs> – you got to be able to stay healthy, which he's not really done in his career. And defensively, like you said, Mikael Bridges is, is far and away a better defender. So mm-hmm. I, I think it's a, I'm, it's probably easier than I'm acting like it is. It, it probably is Mikael Bridges, without a doubt. Yeah. But I also just don't want to like be dismissive of someone as talented as Brandon Ingram either.
2: And, and real quick before we wrap up this Ingram thing, I mean, he was talking about kind of wanting to be a little bit more of a go-to option on Team USA. Here's the thing. You might be a go-to option on the Pelicans, but what if the Pelicans won? I mean, this is a.
1: <laughs> but to be you know, fair, what if what of the what of the uh, Timberwolves won either with Anthony Edwards being the go-to guy?
2: Well, n- no, they haven't. But uh, he's taken them to the playoffs at least the last two years. I mean, he's young. In- Ingram's been around a bit longer. I think it's 2017 draft. Um, True. so he he's been around. Uh, I think it's you know, he, I don't think I don't know if he's ever gotten to the second round. I don't think he has. I don't think but, so. But regardless, hey, you know what? Uh, on a team like you know Team USA, there's going to be a lot of talented players. It's really hard to be the guy. There can only really be a few when there's a lot of mouths to feed. But yeah. last question for Rooster. How many seasons will it take for Tyrese Halliburton to earn his spot on the Mount Rushmore of Pacers, and why is it this year?
1: Well, here's where you're wrong, Rooster. It's not going to be this year. Let's Ooh. put a little respect on the names of former Pacers that we got to give a shout-out to because – I think he's going to have to play in the Pacers uniform for at least double digit seasons.
2: That's what I thought
1: you're, you're looking at guys like Reggie Miller, Roger Brown, George McGinnis and Mel Daniels. And I think even at this point, you can say Paul George is maybe the most talented Pacer, but mm-hmm. on the Mount Rushmore, I still think a guy like Rick Smith's should be on there before Paul George because Rick Smith's spent his entire career yep. with the Pacers. So for me, this is one where I'm like, I love Tyrese and I think that he will eventually get there if he remains with this franchise. But Let's not disrespect the names of the ABA Pacers and, of course, Reggie Miller. Oh, of
2: course. You know, Rooster's listeners, right now. I didn't mean any disrespect, you know, but look, I get it. Here's the thing. I think this year, and you were in exact agreement with me, he breaks the Pacers' single-season assist record Mm -hmm. that Mark Jackson holds. Then I started digging deeper. Well, what's the Pacers' all-time assist record? Reggie Miller holds it, obviously, due to longevity. 4,141 assists. I did the math. Halliburton has a chance. And he's not going to stay completely healthy. So we know it probably won't happen. But if he stayed healthy, he could actually break it by the end of this extension. So, oh, okay. yes, yeah, so I, I did the math because he has like <laughs> almost 900 assists in just 82 games and the record's 4,100. So it's like, oh, my God, you know. But anyway, if he's if he's a pacer for 10 years, I think it's going to be a, he, he's on the Mount Rushmore. I think he'll be our second best player, you know, the NBA pacer. Behind Reggie, it's still hard to see someone surpassing Reggie because you're talking about 18 years and taking the team to the finals and everything else that went in between that. But all-star in his first full season with us. Maybe all-NBA next year. The sky is the limit for Tyrese Halliburton, but it's going to come down to longevity. If he can be a Pacer for 10 years, he's going to go down as one of the greatest that we've ever had.
1: What did you think about Mark Cuban's comments on Patrick Beverly's podcast where they talked about – how they tried, the Mavericks did in that draft to try to get Tyrese. And then as soon as Rick comes to the Pacers, the first (laughs) big move we made was get Halliburton. What were your thoughts on that?
2: I loved it. I loved it because it's like we had heard that Carlisle, you know, liked guys like Turner in the past and, you know, Halliburton. And what's there not to like? So I love the fact that he knew, all right, hey, you know what? I couldn't get him in the past. I'm going to a new team. That's the guy that I want. That's a coach that was able to evaluate talent Early on, mm-hmm. and I love that he stuck to his gut and said, "Nope, I still believe it. If anything, I'm doubling down, and I'm making the trade for him." I'm very happy that the Pacers were able to a land Carl- Carlisle, and then Carlisle was able to help land Tyrese Halbert.
1: Yeah, I mean, thank God that Carlisle came and that we got Tyrese yeah. because if we didn't, this franchise would be in a much different position. But.
0: Let- Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America, NA member
1: FDIC. Let's keep it moving here, Fachi, because someone else is going to help make this franchise move forward is Benedict Matherin. And Aaron M wants to know We saw Matherin working out with Clay Thompson on a viral video on Twitter. What are some things you hope that Matherin takes from that experience by working out with Clay in the offseason?
2: I mean, the easy thing is improving his three point stroke. Clay's one yeah. of the best shooters of all time. Clay is also a very solid defender, which gets underrated because you think of just Clay Thompson as the shooter. Next, Clay is so good at scoring without really needing even a dribble. Yep. I mean, he absolutely torched the Pacers for like 60 points. I think it was on 11 rebounds like back in 2016. I mean, 11 dribbles. So yeah. it's just like this man could just catch and shoot. He could be extremely efficient with it. And I think that that would be great because sometimes Matherin could, you know, dribble around a little bit too much and want to get to the hole more if if Matherin could be more efficient you know shoot the three-point ball a bit better be a better defender i don't know how, if you can take all that from clay thompson just one workout but hey any of the above would be
1: awesome and we don't know how many workouts they've had together we only know that there was one film so they could have been working out for the entirety of the week or whatever it could have just been like a couple hour session but mm-hmm. my thing is like you said hopefully they're working on the shot but I, i'm more so worried about the shot form mechanics because I felt like last year, Matherin kind of made some changes throughout the year trying to work on a shot, and it just never really seemed to find itself again. So hopefully that they're working on those mechanics. I also want him to learn how to move without the basketball a little bit more. Obviously, he can learn that from a guy like Buddy Hill, who is ter- terrific at doing that. But a lot of times you'll see Matherin just kind of stand there and watch the offense. And he even got pulled one game for not making the right cut. So I think that's something good to keep an eye on there. Like you said, learning some on-ball defensive tips as well but mostly just overall knowledge on how to professionally keep your game evolving every year. Because if you look at Clay's career, man, he's been through every high and every low trade rumor, season ending injuries, winning a title, et cetera. Clay's been and seen it all, you know, like, I don't know how many times we saw Clay's name get brought up in a trade, like for Paul George, potentially for Kevin Love at one point, like he was kind of that guy that was dangled out there for the Warriors during like that transition when they won a bunch of titles. But then, you know, he had the ankle injury and the other injury that kept him from coming back. So it's kind of like he's had to like work his way and claw his way back to being a professional and then to get that next championship with the Warriors just two years ago when they beat the Boston Celtics in six. So it's kind of like, this is a guy that's not really just been like the MVP of the team, but he's been like that secondary third guy for them, trying to like help them get to that point. I think that's where Matherin is right now with this Pacers team. He's not that first guy, maybe the second guy maybe the third guy. We're not really sure yet, but Clay kind of accepted that role. Maybe Matherin can kind of get some just overall basketball knowledge on how to handle things.
2: I love the fact that they worked out together. I mean, Clay Thompson it's a Hall of Famer right there. He's got four rings. He's going to be one of the best three-point shooters that the game has ever seen. Human torch. I mean, the fact that Mathern is able to be able to train with him this early on in his career is just huge. And I love to see – I want to see more Pacer players be able to do that because that's why you and I were – and everybody else is so excited about – Halliburton running with Team USA that experience he's going to come out of this you know this run with Team USA as such a better player so I'm excited to see Matherin do it I want to see more Pacers do it
1: Mm -hmm. for sure let's keep it moving
2: next question Samuel Colbertson said I think Halliburton is a lot better than Jalen Brunson from what I've seen on this Team USA uh, it seems that Halliburton makes the offense flow way better and pushes the fast break I feel like Brunson dribbles too much What's your opinion?
1: Yeah, so Sammy, Brunson is kind of disrespected by Pacer fans because of how often Tyrese and Jalen are compared to one another, but I think they're completely different players. Jalen is a guy who looks for a shot first, and playmaking is more like a secondary skill, where Tyrese is constantly looking to get other guys involved and scores when needed to. So I'm a big fan of both. Uh, If Tyrese can continue to improve defensively with his size, uh, personally, I I just feel like I would take him over JB nine out of 10 times, but I, I hate that people say JB sucks or stuff like that. Cause he doesn't, it's just a preference like a, a style. And I think that, yeah, Jalen's looking to get his shot a lot of times. And I think we've seen him in the playoffs time and time again, have some big moments where here's this kind of undersized guy. That's really able to get his own shot off and make some big plays down the stretch and some playoff games. And Tyrese has not had that experience yet. So you know, it's easy to say on paper, like, yeah, I love Tyrese's style more. And if you watch both of them play, like, Tyrese definitely brings a much more fun style of basketball to watch. But at the same time, uh, Steve Kerr's been coaching a long time. And for him to start Jalen Brunson over Tyrese, I don't have a problem with it. I think that Tyrese has, his, has had his moments with Team USA. And there's been moments where him and Austin Reese have almost been like the rock and sock connection. No, and have, yeah, and have also, they've almost been like the best duo out there at certain points. But, they're both complementary to one another. That's why Tyrese can play with Jalen Brunson because of the way they play, and Tyrese is a little bit taller. So I just think overall, they're both really gifted players, and I don't want to discredit Jalen Brunson at all, but I'm happy that Tyrese Halliburton is the captain of my franchise because I feel like longevity-wise, give me 15 years, I think Halliburton probably is able to stay healthier and have a longer career.
2: Yeah, look, I think that this comparison between the two of them has been heating up This offseason, I think it kind of started a little bit last year, but Halliburton is a true point guard. Maybe the truest of point guards, while Brunson is a really good guard who plays point guard. That's not to discredit him, but in my opinion, as it relates to setting up your teammates and making an offense flow, I think Halliburton could be the best in the league at it or becomes the best in the league at it. He's still extremely young, 23 years old but it is in his DNA to look to set up others for their shot before he looks for his shot. And Halliburton, I had had to break up the stats. Uh Halliburton leads Team USA with five assists per game, which is 1.2 assists more than Jalen Brunson has. And Halliburton has a higher plus minus while being more efficient from the field. It's just the comparison's heating up because you got to remember this. Halliburton edged out Brunson for that all-star reserve spot last year. And I think with with the Pacers being a, you know, team that's improving this year, I think there could be a Pacer Knicks rivalry kind of starting back up over the next few years. And Brunson and Halliburton might be the ones that are kind of find themselves competing against each other quite often.
1: Yeah, and I think one thing you gotta look at too, like if anybody's mad that Jalen Brunson didn't make it because Tyrese did, well, they should be more mad because Julius Randle. Was the guy for the Knicks that got the attention nationally more than Jalen Brunson? I think come playoff time, that narrative, you know, that script kind of flipped a little bit. That narrative kind of flipped a little bit where it was more like, oh, this is Brunson's team and Julius Randle's along for the ride. (laughs) So you're in New York. You know how it is. Oh, yeah. I do. Knicks fans are passionate. Pacer fans are passionate. I wouldn't mind a rivalry. I'd love to see them play each other because I think Jalen Brunson could take Tyrese to school <laughs> offensively because he's a player,
2: life. good player. He I is. mean he's
1: a he's a little bulldozer, man. I mean yeah. that's kind of what he is. He's not a way to, not afraid to bully his way into the paint and, and create that separation that he needs to get. But Tyrese is I think he's improved defensively with Team USA and if he can continue to grow up on that flash, I mean this to me is like if Tyrese can really just hone in on being a better defender and just being more of a competent defender than like an all-level defense kind of guy, then With his size, like that, just makes him so much more, in my personal opinion, attractive as a player moving forward than than a Jalen Brunson.
2: Yeah, and look, let's also throw it out there that Jalen Brunson is, you know, a bit more seasoned. He's more of a veteran player. He's twenty seven years old compared to Halliburton being twenty three. I mean, Brunson is someone who, you know, went through uh, quite a few years in college. He was four years former National Player of the Year. So it's like, you know, he knows how to win. He's he's been out there, won a national championship at Villanova. So. Uh, I do think that, look, it's not like, oh, my God, how could, you know, how could Steve Kerr start him over Halberd? This is a crime. He is a very good player in itself. But when you're talking about true point guard, I don't think anyone's going to say that Brunson's more of a true point guard than Tyrese
1: Halberd. All right, Baji, let's keep it moving here. CJ wants to know, with the additions of Obi Toppin and Bruce Brown, how does our offense change? I think we 110%
2: lean into playing fast and in transition. I know we were doing it before. I think we're even cranking it up. We now have something that we are known for. And obviously the stats have been out there a hundred times. Hallibur and Obi, Bruce Brown, the top three most efficient players in transition I love it. I love the identity being different than just, well, you know, like I said before, we're the team of the double bigs. It's just that was not enough. That was not going to get the job done. Now we're going to play a style that others need to adapt to and really try and keep up with. Bruce, another solid ball handler in the lineup. And Obi can jump out of the ceiling and on fast breaks to, you know, finish alley-oops. I love that threat for a guy like Tyrese and to be able to get the ball and get out and run.
1: Yeah, we kind of said the same thing here. So I'll just put down, I'll just read what I put down on my answer and then you can kind of elaborate a little bit on what I said, Fachi. But I said, we already played fast last season, but Obi and Bruce add a different skill set to that. So you've got a rim runner and decent shooter mm-hmm. in Obi compared to a kneesmith who wasn't going to ever catch lobs. No. And then you got Bruce who can do multiple things, whereas Buddy is more of a shooter who can occasionally put the ball on the floor and does a great job moving without the ball where Bruce can be used in pick and roll pop situations. He's much stronger from the right side. So that obviously helps Mather play his more dominant side. And I think that, like you said, Bruce Brown is a much better passer than Buddy Hill. So last thing here, we know one thing about Buddy Hill He does not dunk the ball very often. There's no. a running joke bet between Halliburton and, and Buddy who can get the most dunks for the season. And obviously Tyrese just blew him out of the water, but we know that Bruce can throw the ball down. So you know that when you're playing in transition, you don't have to worry about uh, Bruce being afraid to dunk the basketball. And I think that's something else that he brings. But offensively, you know, it's in, it's kind of interesting because we already were a pretty good offensive team. So mm-hmm. it just brings some different dynamics. But I do think that's not what the question was asking, but it was like part of the reason we brought Bruce Brown and it was more so for the defense, in my opinion. Oh,
2: it definitely was. And I just think that, yeah, you're getting a defensive boost right over there in Bruce Brown. But yeah, to your point, I mean – if Buddy Heal dunks it once on a season, <laughs> you're going to remember it and you're going to hear about it. It's going to be posted all over social media from him and, and Halliburton because that's how rare it is. You know, with Obi and he's going to have what could be, you know, a highlight at night. I mean, this guy is really going to do some live in-game dunks that you just don't expect to see. You think maybe that might be reserved for a dunk contest. But that's how it's going to be. We're going to be far more entertaining, but also I think that we're going to be a style that people know. Hey, when you're playing with the you're playing against the Pacers, you better have your cardio right because mm-hmm. they're going to be running up and down that floor all night. And I, I love the fact that we are surrounding Tyrese Haliburton with players that play to his style the
1: best. And that's what's going to suck for a lot of these teams that have these, you know, West Coast road trips or they they come the West Coast team comes east and oh, yeah. they play like three or four games in like five nights and it's like they're tired because it's a veteran team like let's just throw out the Clippers or the Lakers then they come to Indianapolis on like the second night of a back-to-back or the third game in four nights and the paces are running a track meet and you got LeBron and AD trying to keep up with that like yeah they can do it they're professional athletes but they're not going to be 100% you know full in the tank of gas so they could be a little bit fatigued during that and have to kind of let that one go. And that's where the Pacers are going to probably pick up some victories against teams that they shouldn't necessarily beat because they're catching teams on a tight schedule and they're able to play that fast pace, which will just wear you out over 48 minutes.
2: That is a great point for any of those back-to-backs where it's like you might want to second guess now if it's a back-to-back and you're playing the Pacers on that second game you know, before you're going to go back home. So valid point. The next question we have, Reformed Reese.
1: It's our last question for this part too
2: that it is uh he said could isaiah jackson beat out miles turner f- for a starting center slot
1: well reinformed grease i'm just going to be honest with you there is zero to no chance that this happens isaiah jackson will be lucky to be the backup center if they don't make a move to trade one of these guys before the season starts because jalen smith daniel tice isaiah jackson that's anybody's position i think honestly like daniel tice has been pretty solid with germany Daniel Tice was fine in the minutes that he played last year. Didn't really like pop off and like maybe feel like he brought like some extra special thing to the table, but he's a veteran that knows how to play the right way. Jalen Smith, a guy that Miles Turner even said he was the most impressed with because of the way he was able to adapt to the new rules after being named the starter, then becoming the backup center, then being benched. So I think honestly, like Isaiah Jackson's going to be lucky if he's named the backup center on opening night. So any chance of him starting? Zero. Any chance of him being the backup center? probably about a 50% chance.
2: There isn't a scenario in the world that I could see a healthy Turner losing his job to any center on this roster, let alone Isaiah Jackson. Maybe, maybe if it's Isaiah Jackson's birthday and Miles Turner's in a giving mood, we could talk about one game, but I don't even think that's going to happen. Nope. I would love to see Isaiah Jackson hit his full potential, but he still has a long way to go and i don't even think that he could stay out of foul trouble or have enough offensively and defensively to play 25 to 30 minutes per night on a nightly basis i just don't think that we're there yet being named the backup center for this year would actually be you know a, a good step forward for him on a consistent level
1: if if you can name me three things that Isaiah Jackson does better than Miles Turner then he can become the starter because there's not three things. There's only one thing that he does better, and that's catch dunks off lobs. I, I was going to say jump. Only you thing. know it,
2: it's just athleticism. Can, <laughs> exactly. It's like th- that's it, a- and that is uh, he ain't gonna have ten alley oops in a game. I can tell you that. So um, <laughs> absolutely, you know, there's there's no scenario.
1: So that's going to wrap it up for part one here of the Mailbag podcast. But Fachi, I should say Mustache Mike, can you please let that the people know me. where they can find us at on social media?
2: absolutely so you can find us on twitter at setting the pace three you can find alex on twitter at alex golden nba i can be found on twitter at underscore f-a-c-c-i you can find us on instagram at pacers talk you can find us on facebook setting the pace you can find us on tiktok at setting the pace and alex tell them where they could check us out on youtube
1: ladies and gentlemen go to youtube.com slash setting the pace at pacers podcast where you can find all of our video content and please do us a favor if you haven't already subscribe to the podcast wherever you get your podcasts and leave us a five-star rating and review And if you haven't followed us on Instagram, I highly encourage that because we're going to be starting a new thing this year. We're doing trivia on the story. So we did one this past uh, Sunday. I'm going to try to put one out Monday here after we get done recording for everybody to check that out. But we're going to do some daily trivia just to get more interaction with you fans. And we might even give away some prizes throughout the season. So make sure you're keeping an eye on that. But Mustache Mike. If you're excited to see Isaiah Jackson fight for those backup center minutes, then hit me with those three words.
2: Let's go, Pacers.
1: Setting the pace, going to the top. Setting the pace, going to the top. This is your number one podcast, sweeping every team. We gonna need a mop smooth. I'm going to